But why is supported by Progressive, home of the Name Your Price tool? You say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote. Visit Progressive.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is But Why, a broadcast for curious kids. I'm Jane Lindholm. For seven weeks this spring, we're bringing our podcast to the airwaves for live radio shows in collaboration with Vermont's Agency of Education to offer kids who are out of school a chance for your own call-in radio show. And if you live in Vermont and surrounding areas, you can listen on the regular old radio, no internet connection necessary. Last week, we learned about two animals that are very active at this time of year bats and beavers. At the very end of the show, we gave you a little homework assignment that we hoped would be fun. We asked you to write a poem. And if you want to, you can read it during our show today. Now, if you missed that assignment or didn't get to it, that's totally fine, too. We're going to offer you some fun ideas to get you inspired to write a poem during the show today. You can write one now or ask a question about poetry or just enjoy the show and listen. Let's start with a poem from Oscar. Oscar is 10 and lives in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and he told us he wrote this poem for Mother's Day. Bike rides with Mama. Another scrape. My knees keep donating bloody skin to the sidewalk. Here comes Mama, keeping a straight face, even though I know she must be laughing inside because it's not the first time I ride my bike into a fire hydrant. Since we took off the training wheels, I've been living on the edge. The edge of a sidewalk, the edge of a grassy hill, the edge of her nerves. No longer are her arms on my shoulder while I ride, but she is always there. I remember her clapping when I rode up to the mailbox. You're doing it, she cheered. That was three years ago. Now, whenever we go on bike rides, we travel miles. It's our thing. On narrow streets, she leads the way. Otherwise, we're side by side, even uphill. And though she's not holding my shoulders like she did when I was seven, I know I will always have balance because of her. That's what a mother does. To ride my bike with Mama is to tell her, without words, that I love her. Oscar, I love that poem. I bet your mother was so, so happy to get it. Here's a poem from Cassia, who's seven and lives in Chatham, Ontario. Her poem is called Name is Waterfall. I walk slowly down the rocks. My eyes are a big whitish blue. I carry a bubble of water. My breath is salty. My touch is soft and misty. I move fast and sneaky. My voice is slow, soft, calm and scratchy. My name is Waterfall. Ooh, my name is Waterfall. Cassia, that is so beautiful. All right, let's get into more poems. We have more of you who are calling in to read some poems on air, and some of you may have questions about poems and poetry that you'd like to share with us as well. And I want to bring in our guide for the hour, Ted Shy. Ted is known as the poetry guy around here in Vermont and beyond. He's been teaching poetry to kids for more than 20 years. And some of you listening might have been about to have a school event with Ted Shy before your classes got canceled. So lucky us, he's with us today. Hi, Ted. Hi, Jane. I'm so excited to talk poetry with you. 
Well, I'm even more thrilled than you. This is such a cool honor to be on your awesome show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But I'm going to start with a really tough question for you, although I think it's one you've probably answered many, many times. So, Ted, when we think about poems, some poems rhyme, some poems don't. Some have a few words and then skip to the next line. Some have lines that run together. Some poems are designed to be read on the page. Others are designed to be spoken and heard aloud. Some poems follow rules about form and structure, but once you know the rules, some poems still break them. Some poems are very, very short, but some, like the epic poetry of Homer, are as long as a chapter book and have characters and plot like a novel would. So, Ted, what is poetry? (laughs) That's a hard question, and you listed so many different ways because that's what poems are. There are lots of different things. Um, To me, a poem is a small, mostly small Um, It's focused. It's laser focused on one important thing in your life, something you feel really strongly about. And uh, it's sort of like um, if if kids live in the Northeast, and especially in Vermont, they know that uh, maple syrup, for example, is something we do here, we make here. And um, when you make maple syrup, you take lots and lots of um, sap from the maple tree and you have to boil it down. And it takes uh, 40 drops of maple sap to make one delicious drop of maple syrup that dances on your tongue. And it's kind of a process that um, everybody has to take this long, mostly long process of sort of distilling and boiling down your thoughts until it becomes a really important I- an idea. And it doesn't have to take any particular shape. That's the cool thing about poems. The rules are super flexible. Hmm. So, so, but, so if a poem can be anything, how do you know if you're writing one? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Well, it's it again. It's sort of an open thing. You um, there's so many different shapes and sizes of poems, um, but it is something that you, you know in your heart. You've written something, you know, like Oscar um, was writing about um, such detail and living. I love the way he described living on the edge. And Cassio mm-hmm. was filled with details about her voice and her breath and her eyes, and it's looking at things really, really carefully. And um, so, you know, I, did I answer your question? Not really, because there isn't. <laughs> There isn't really an answer. That so, poems take so many different forms, uh, but they're not stories. They're uh, even though Oscar kind of told a story, um, it's uh, it's really just a focused little expression of something super important. So those epic poems and epic poets like uh, Homer and you know the the Odyssey and the Iliad are those really kind of different than what we consider modern poems? I think so. I I have a hard time. Um, there aren't too many poets that write long stuff these days. And, you know, back then when they wrote those, they didn't even write them down. Mm-hmm. They had people who memorized like and they would share it for many, many days, 24 uh, seven without stopping. So that was kind of an unusual story type of poem, an epic uh, narrative poem. And um, fortunately, there aren't most people write shorter stuff. And I certainly do myself. Um, kids, maybe that's a good assignment for you. See if you can just recite a poem 24-7. See what your adults <laughs> think about that. Maybe maybe you can tell them that Ted Shy told you you should do it. <laughs> um, let's get to some poems that kids are sending us. And we have lots of kids calling in, Ted, who want to read their poems aloud. And this Great. is so exciting because I love it when people are able to read their own poems. But we got a found poem that was sent to us by the Cavendish Town Elementary 6th grade class. They actually wrote this poem on Zoom. They're having video conference meetings, and they focused on things to do outside. So each student put a line in the chat box in their video conference and hit send at the very same time, and this is the poem that resulted. (laughs) Watching the birds that land on my feeder, going hiking, riding my bike, 
bright orange caterpillar under the leaves. I breathe in air, running down the sidewalk as fast as I can, smelling the bright tulips growing. Love it outside. That's pretty good for a poem that everybody hits send on at the same time, don't you think? I'll say. And the ending, the last line, is the perfect line for that list of things. No kidding. Thank you for that, Cavendish sixth graders. Matisse is calling in from Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Hi, Matisse. You have a poem? Um, yeah. Go right ahead. We'd love for you to read it. Or say it. Maybe you haven't written it. Um, nature's song. When the rain falls down... And the lullaby starts. Every drop is a note. Oh, Matisse, I love that. What inspired you to write it? Um, The rain. I love it. Ted, what do you think? Yeah, pretty great. Because when I listen to the rain, I do hear notes like you do, Matisse. There's little, little, little notes like you're listening to music almost. It's so awesome. And let's hear from Charlotte, who's calling in from Asheville, North Carolina. Hi, Charlotte. Hi. What's your poem? Um, it's called The Coronavirus. Ooh, very uh, timely. Even, even though you cannot see it, you will never want to eat it. If you start to cough or sneeze, stay at home and hide your keys. Even though we don't want to stay in, if we work together, the virus can't win. Staying home is hard to do, but if we do, we'll make it through. Sometimes the dates that we set have to get canceled, but we won't regret. Even though we don't want to stay in, if we work together, the virus can't win. Charlotte, I love it, and I am impressed because I cannot rhyme very easily. I find it frustrating to try to write poems that rhyme, and so I'm, I'm always really impressed with people like you who can do that well and still have a poem that makes total sense and has that sort of lyric quality where you can sense the rhythm. So thank you for calling in and sharing it with us, and thank you for writing it. Ted, I mean, some people are really good at that kind of thing, like Charlotte clearly is. Yeah, it's a hard, hard thing to write a rhyming poem. And as you say, to have a meaning, something something thoughtful that's in the poem that comes out as a message. And uh, Charlotte, you did a super job. Um, getting the rhythm is also, rhyming is not that easy, but getting the rhythm right is even harder because mm. it has to be like a song. You can almost put it to music so that someone else can pick up your poem and read it. And that was beautiful. Wow. Do you think you can do that with practice you know, it, does it have to be something that you're just naturally good at? Or can you learn and, and keep working at it and get better at that kind of uh, song quality to writing poetry? Yeah, I think you can. I Some people are kind of born with that natural uh, interest and attraction to rhymes. I certainly had that attraction as a kid. I, Dr. Seuss and other rhyming poets and songs, actually lyrics of songs, had a huge impact on me. I didn't do much writing but I was listening to lots of music and listening to poems that were read to me. And uh, so the rhythm of, of those um, song, the poem melodies, I call them, um, was in my brain. And so um, I am drawn to that form. But it, I, I try, to discourage, try to discourage kids from rhyming unless they're really good at it because it takes a while. And, it, and I guess the point, and Charlotte figured this out, is it doesn't come off your pencil first draft. Wow. You have to kind of wrestle and, and juggle it for a long time until it sounds right. Charlotte was also writing about something that's happening right now, Ted, and and that is one of the things that I really get a lot of value out about sometimes reading poems, but also writing poetry is that ability to, you know, you were talking earlier about focusing your words and focusing what you're writing about when you write poems. And sometimes that's so helpful to help 
figure out what you're feeling or what you're going through. And you do that too, yeah. right? Yeah, I try to focus, uh, you know, and get, it really, a poem should be a, um, as I said, you know, a little focused uh, feeling or, or observation that you're, you're making and sharing as Charlotte did a, uh, some advice to people. Um, but it, so it needs to be, um, needs to be that narrowly uh, focused um, approach, whether it's rhyming or not. Would you like to share a poem with us? I would be happy to. And I am taking on a Charlotte's lead. I'll, I'll, I'll share one that I wrote recently. The thing about this um, coronavirus and the um, quarantine that we're kind of doing and, and doing a little less now um, is the hardest thing for me. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of little kids and big kids, too, like me, um, uh, is the uncertainty of it. Right. We just don't know exactly how long it's going to happen. And, and last. So I wrote a poem recently. And you'll notice when you read when I read my poems that I write not in my 66 year old teacher guy voice. I re I write poems in, in a child's voice. Uh, my my writer's voice is about an eight or nine year old, uh, sometimes younger, sometimes older. But that's sort of how the poems fly out of my pencil. Hmm. So here's a poem about that. It's called I'm Pretty Sure. I'm pretty sure that someday soon this virus thing will pass and someday I'll return to school and sit inside my class. I'm pretty sure my friends and I will meet up face to face so we can joke and laugh and scream and climb and skip and race. I'm pretty sure my dad will smile the way he always does. And mom will give us answers that are clearer than because. I'm pretty sure my dog will wag her tail just like before. And I won't feel afraid of things that lurk outside our door. I'll soon forget my worries that my Grammy will survive. And I'll be pretty certain that my birthday will arrive. The earth will keep on spinning and the sunrise will endure. But that is all I'm confident about. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I like that. And I, I see what you mean, too, about your voice, because presumably, Ted, your mom is not telling you what to do too much anymore. <laughs> not anymore. No. <laughs> I, let's hear a few more poems um, that, that kids are calling in with. And as I Great. said, I love hearing everybody be being able to say their poems in their voice, because when you're reading your own poetry, you get to put the emphasis where you want it to be and you don't have somebody else interpreting it. But yeah. that being said, one of the joys of reading poetry is ha being able to interpret it yourself. And for some students and young people, if you're feeling shy and you don't want to call in and read your poem, that's fine too. Julian is six and sent us a poem, Ted, and I think you're going to recognize what form or what rules this poem follows. Julian says, poppies in the breeze, like streams of water flowing with butterflies all around. Ooh, it sounds like a haiku. Yeah, I checked out the syllables before I read it. Can you describe <laughs> what a haiku is? Yeah, haiku is a really awesome and very hard. Uh, Julian, you did a great job with that. It's a, I think it's a hard form of poetry because it's only 17 syllables long. It can be a little either side, but uh, it's an ancient form, a thousand years old from Japan. And the first line of your poem, it's usually set in nature. It's usually happening like Julian's poem right now. So it's kind of in the present. And, um, and it, there's usually senses involved. So you're listening or you're hearing things that are happening. And so the first line of your poem is almost always five syllables, not five words, but five syllables. And then the second line is seven. And then the last line is five. So it comes to 17 altogether, which is really hard to do. And, and Julie really did fun such a great too. job, too. Yeah, that was super great. Isabel is calling in from Manhattan. Hi, Isabel. You're on the air. You have a poem for us? Yeah. Riding on my bike is fun. Riding on my bike is for one. The car next to me goes honk, honk, honk. 
The helmet on my head goes bonk, bonk, bonk. The water bottle in my basket goes glonk, glonk, glonk. When I push the fish, it goes creak, creak, creak. When I pedal, the rubber on my shoes goes squeak, squeak, squeak. The uh. on my wheels go cling, cling, cling. The finger on the bell goes ring, ring, ring. Riding on my bike is fun. Riding on my bike is too warm. Riding on my bike is fun. Now my poem is done. <laughs> <laughs> Isabel, I love it. And Ted, one of the things I love about Isabel's poem is the way she she repeats that word that is a sound, and it sort of helps yes. my brain understand and, and picture that sound as she's reading it. Because a lot beautiful. of these, yeah, are the sounds. It's like an onomatopoeia, right? It's the sound that the thing actually makes. My water bottle exactly. goes glunk, glunk, glunk. That was so cool. Yeah, that's a funny word, onomatopoeia, but it means, yeah, making in your using words that have sounds in them so you can actually hear her honking and bonking was really fun. Isabel, thank you for that. Let's hear from Ramona, who's calling us from Glenside, Pennsylvania. Hi, Ramona. Hi. You have a poem? Mm-hmm. Great. Miss Mary, Miss Mary eating all she likes. When cat eats her cream, she will scream. Ooh. <laughs> I like it, Ramona. <laughs> that was a very great one. I like thinking of Miss Mary. That was not who I thought Miss Mary was going to be. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, listeners, yeah. if you are a young poet, you can share your poems with us. It's me, I'm here, and Ted Shy, who teaches poetry workshops all over the state of Vermont and beyond. And coming up next, we're also going to hear from spoken word poet and educator Rajni Eddins. We'll be right back. I'm Jane Lindholm, and this is But Why, a broadcast for curious kids. We're talking about poetry today with Ted Shy. Here's a poem from Dario, who's five and lives in Milton, Ontario. The volcano rumbles louder and louder. The lava flows quicker and quicker. The lava abandoned the island. Creatures ran away. That was Dario's poem. I love thinking about that. It's taking me back in time to an erupting volcano. And here's a poem from nine-year-old Brooke in Juneau, Alaska. Hi, my name is Brooke, and I'm reading my poem, Rushing Stream. With trickling music, the rushing stream flows alongside the bank where the green rushes grow. So cheerfully babbling over gray pebbles while the birds chirp with light high-pitched trebles. It swirls over the short wet sandy edges, slowly eroding its precarious ledges, smoothly swishing over the round river stones as the wind whistles in fast-changing tones, cascading round a misty bend to swish down to its journey's end. Thanks for sending that, Brooke. I love that poem. We're hearing from so many young people with such beautiful poems and poetry and so much you're observing in the world around you and thinking about. And then, as Ted mentioned, sort of uh, distilling it down from a big thought into something really tight and clear and a real point of view. You guys are amazing. Let's hear from Nora, who's calling in from Shoreham, Vermont. Hi, Nora. Hi. Hi. My poem is called Butterfly Grace. Butterfly are nature's beauty to the eye. And what they are is so much beauty. They lay eggs upon milkweed they eat. Butterflies' wings are like smooth butter. They are so graceful 
One, two, three, four. Oh, you know it's true. It's oh so beautiful. Nora, that's a beautiful poem. Wow. Thank you for sharing it. I want to pair your poem with one from Bella, who's calling in from Orem, Utah. Because, Bella, what you told uh, our producer who's screening the phone calls is that your poem is about flowers. And so a poem about butterflies and a poem about flowers seem like they could go really well together. Are you there, Bella? Yes. You want to read your poem? Yeah. Great. I saw white flowers. When they didn't bloom, they looked like little balls. Why do flowers bloom? (laughs) Bella, I love that. Thank you. And boy, you ask a really important question there. Why do flowers bloom? Thank you for your poems. Bella and Nora, they do pair well together. We've got the pollinator and we've got the flowers. Ted, we have you here, but let's bring another guest into the conversation as well. Rajni Eddins is a spoken word poet, an MC, and a teacher. He was the youngest member of the African American Writers Alliance starting when he was 11, and he teaches around Vermont and beyond now. Rajni, nice to talk with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Have you been hearing some of our young poets share their their poems that they've written? <laughs> Definitely. It's been beautiful to hear the creative imagination of all the children. It's, just, it's awesome to hear their words. Yeah. So when you talk to young people about writing poetry, I mean, you have your own experience. You started with the African-American Writers Alliance when you were 11. How did you know that you wanted to write poetry and that you had a voice that deserved to be heard? Well, you know, even before I started sharing a lot of my own work and creating my my own poems, um, my mother has always been a tremendously imaginative person and creative and playful person. So she would always make up songs in the kitchen sometimes like there's a monster in the kitchen trying to cook and he's giving everybody dirty looks. There's a monster coming see chewing on green celery. There's a monster in the kitchen trying to cook. (laughs) <laughs> so she would always be fashioning little ditties like this. A, a lot of uh, my inspiration comes from her because she's also a tremendous writer. That's why I kind of first uh, encountered the craft. She would have me read her poetry back to her, you know, sometimes whether I wanted to or not. And I think that gave me a love for language and the power of words to inspire and touch people's hearts and minds. And also just the magic that you can find there and being playful and and sharing your own story and your own um, perspective on things. So I I love that about words to this day. Rajni, Ted said that when he writes a poem, his sort of inner voice, his writing voice is is like the voice of about an eight-year-old. How old is your writing voice? (laughs) Well, I've never been asked that. I'm not sure. I think when I was younger, I wrote a a lot of my poems were to either girls I liked that I never was uh, <laughs> brave enough to tell that to, but to tell it to my journal, or about just kind of challenging things in the world, you know, like like racism and making sure people are treated equally and fairly. So I feel like I had an older voice pretty early on. Either that it was it was kind of my voice has always been pretty much my age wise. But I think early on, I, I had got this in my mind that words could be used to transform the world in positive ways. So I wanted to speak very truthfully and powerfully to a lot of the things I saw in the world that needed to be changed. Hmm. 
Tad Rajni started writing poems really young. Did you also start when you were a kid? No, Jane, I was attracted to them, I, uh, but there weren't, <laughs> frankly, I'm a, I'm a lot older than Rajni. There weren't that many to choose from back then. I mean, there were some British poets that were sort of talking about, uh, you know, a, a life, uh, a style of life that wasn't an, at all like mine. And there was Dr. Seuss, thankfully, and a few others. But um, uh, no, I, I didn't do much writing. I was one of those kids that kind of struggled. And my mom would read some to me, but um, I didn't have as awesome a mom, uh, I don't think. She's pretty awesome, but not not as creative <laughs> as Rajni. Yeah, Rajni, that's pretty cool to have a mom who's actually, you know, sort of singing to you and, and singing poems. And, you know, when you talked about the way she would make these sort of games and, and verbal games in the kitchen, you sang it. And it, it seems like from what I know of your work that, that that vocal quality, that doing it out loud part, and sometimes singing your poems is really important. How do you think about that idea of making it something that should be out loud for others? Well, I think that's that speaking and expressing, you know, singing, using the voice uh, is something that really brings the words to life brings a story to life you you know you, we all have you know the voices that of course in our heads when we're reading something or hearing the poem but I think when you, you hear that voice of the person who is actually ex- expressing that idea or that experience or that, that moment or that story it gives it a whole other dimension of experience for you it takes you on a journey more vividly I think um, then sometimes can be uh, drawn from just reading the words. Hmm. Let's go to one of our other young poets who's calling in. Connell is calling in from East Haven, Vermont. Go right ahead. You're on the air. You have a poem for us? Yes. Um, um, I'm doing this for my class um, taught in Riverside School and Independence School. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it's kangaroo. Bouncy, cute, running, jumping, fighting, really great, cool animal marsupial. <laughs> so, Connell, are, have you ever seen a kangaroo? Is this an animal that you're especially interested in? I think I've seen one at the zoo. Yeah, I've seen one at the, the zoo in Boston. Mm. And did writing this poem about the kangaroo make you look at kangaroos differently or are you thinking of it as just sort of like, you know, this is something I have to do for my school? Um, I thought of it um, sort of like this something I have to do for my school, but I thought like this is something I have to ask. Um, this is something I have to do for my school and everybody who's there. Yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. reading it. Yeah, go ahead. You were going to say something else? Um, I just read the first two pages of Mine's Side of the Mountain, and it's like, boom, ideas. <laughs> that is awesome. Connell, thank you very much for reading your poem. Let's hear one from Etta, who's calling in from Craftsbury, Vermont. Hi, Etta. Um, the mermaid. I see a mermaid gliding through the water, flicking her tail. She makes a tiny ripple. She can have any color tail. She lives in any place. She is magical, mystical, beautiful. I love mermaids. 
<laughs> oh, I love that one, too. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that poem, Etta. Um, let's get another poem in here before we come back to Rajni, because, Rajni, I want you to read a poem, too. I want to hear one of yours. But first, Eve, who's with us from Orwell, Vermont. Eve, you have a poem to share, too? Yeah, I do. Great. Okay. Poet's Garden, where's the poet? Poet's Garden, who's the poet? Blossoming trees, plum pear apple, falling to the ground, blowing in the wind. Each one a single word, thought, petal. Something wispy in the background, seems secret. Blue gem, magic doorway, one bent, surrounded, surrounded by green grass, carpeting the world in light, color of buds, blooming into a sea of which no one can explain, going on forever, disappearing, gone, into a yellow sky. Eve, I like that. So what inspired that poem? Well, um, I used to live in Chicago, and I would go to, um, for some reason I don't remember the name of the museum, but they had Vincent Van Gogh's Poet's Garden, and I would I would always look at it, and it was my favorite painting in the museum. So I thought of it, and I was like, oh, I think I should write a poem about that, because like, words just came to me like that describing it and putting them together. Came a poem. Hmm. Eve, I love that. That's so cool. And thank you for sharing that. It's really cool when another piece of art can inspire your own art. And Rajni, I mean, that is one of the cool, cool things. I mean, Eve said these words just came to her. It was sort of like the poem was there. Does that happen to you? You know, sometimes that does happen. And it's 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 amazing to witness when it does, when you kind of just are struck by an idea or an urge, a passion um, that arises in your mind that you just you have to get it out. It's like the pen takes on a life of its own. You know, so I love, I appreciate that about that inspiration. Will you read or, or recite one of your poems for us? I love to I actually was going to share another one of her mother's pieces. She has an incredible poem called Nobody Came hmm. that I think is really um, even more valuable today in the world where we, need to really affirm and and practice peace amongst each other and, and, a, and a show more of a love for peace in the world. So this is a poem called Nobody Came, also a song. There should be oceans of tears. Excuse me, excuse me, I'm sorry. That's, a, that's one of my pieces. This, this is a... <laughs> This is my mother's poem. Yeah, it did sound good. (laughs) (laughs) That's a teaser. All right, here we go. (laughs) I'd like there to be a war where nobody came. I'd like there to be a war where nobody came. Where the gunners didn't show and the flyers didn't flow. Like a river carrying death to those below. Where artillery moved too slow, missed the boat and the whole dang show. We all refuse to go, I said. We all refuse to go. I'd like there to be a war where nobody came. I'd like there to be a war where nobody came. Where the infantry said no, in clip tones the taste of snow. And the bomber stated clear, they won't go in here. And sharpshooters closed their eyes, much to the brass great surprise. And there was peace. With no reprise, we chose the peace with no reprise. I'd like there to be a war where nobody came. 
I'd like there to be a war where nobody came. Where we first would check ourselves, see what our causes do foretell. Tweak where tweaking would do well, then maybe check ourselves again. Remembering some crazy macho win does not signify a win. Cannot signify a win. So I'll say it once again. I'd like there to be war away. Nobody came. I'd like there to be a war away. Nobody came. We'd like there to be a war away. Nobody came. Wouldn't you? Ooh, Rajni, thank you. Thank you for that. And thanks your mom for that. What's your mom's name? My mother's name is Randy Eddins, and she was the founder of the African-American Writers Alliance back home in Seattle. So that was the foundation for so many um, poets of African descent sharing their art, and uh, and it really got me immersed into the craft as a youth. So I always am thankful. Well, I loved hearing that, and I loved hearing your voice and your power in singing it and singing your mom's words, but also through your voice and and the power in that and carrying it from one generation to the next and that idea that, you know, we all have the power to sort of elevate our voices and elevate and illuminate others' voices as well while we're doing this work of being artists and enjoying and learning from art. So, Rajni, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, my honor. Thanks for holding space. That's Rajni Eddins. He's a poet, author, and facilitator, and his most recent work is called Their Names Are Mine. Here's a poem from Evan, who's eight and lives in San Marco, California. I have a silver key that is special to me. A bad guy stole the key and ran away from me. I chased him really fast, but could not get past. I hijacked a car, but couldn't get far. The town police stopped me before I got the key. Now I'm in jail. That was a fail. And that bad guy who stole the key, he'll always be a mystery. (laughs) I like that, Evan. And this one is from Andy, who's seven and also lives in California. Andy sent us a haiku. We feed the black crows. They eat on Chama's driveway. They like fish crackers. Five, seven, five. We talked about haiku earlier, Ted. That was a great one there from Andy. They painted a picture perfectly. Yeah, that was wonderful. And let's hear from some other poets and and, uh, young poets and slightly older but still young poets. I want to bring in Iris Robert. Iris is a high school student here in Vermont, and Iris writes with the Young Writers Project and has her own podcast called Line Break. Hi, Iris. Nice to talk with you. Hi. I'm so excited to be on. (laughs) Well, we're so excited to have you. And so I think are many of our young poets because, you know, it's one thing to hear from old people like me and Ted about poetry. (laughs) But it's another thing to hear from a high schooler because, you know, this is one of the ways that you think about, well, what can I do and what am I going to be like when I'm just a little bit older? And, you know, in that sort of liminal space between childhood and adulthood. So what makes you care about poetry, Iris? Oh, I care about poetry because... I feel like there aren't any, you know, rules for how I can have to express myself. Like, I can just write down whatever's on my mind, and that's poetry. And it's so freeing to be able to just have that in my life. (laughs) Will you read one one of your poems for us? Yes. This is called Wishes. Age five, standing before a cloudy mirror, can't decide between purple or dark red hair bows. Eleven minutes pass, finally time to leave. Go on, let's hurry, hurry, Iris. Jagged stickers are still my favorite keepsakes. Love is twirling around in a tutu. 
Liquid dreams fill up my bones, marshmallow melodies play in my mind. Nudges from reality sneak past over meadows of thoughts. Purple bows roll over my hair, queens of the umber waves. Resting on my wrist are seven bracelets, a pink, blue, green, yellow, orange, titanic monstrosity, all the color in the world. Uncloaked, my soul shows a thousand vivid candles, all on fire and waiting to be wished upon. Salophone lullabies, blow out your candles, darling girl. Watch as your wish zips into the cloudless sky. Oh, Iris, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I like that you chose one that is in your, your voice now or now-ish, but looking back on yourself as a five-year-old. <laughs> and Ted, what do you hear in that? Yeah, I, I love that, that she's uh, looking backwards. And I, I heard some of the most beautiful images, uh, marshmallow melodies was a, a combination of words that just sounded like music to me. It was music, melodies, but um, lovely alliteration. We call that alliteration when the M's are continued. And uh, I just, it was a, a marvelous uh, memory. Thanks, Iris. Thank you so much. <laughs> Ted, when you think about writing poems and poetry, I understand that in some ways you think people who, who are writing poems, in some ways writing poetry can make you a better writer. Can you explain why you think that? Yeah, um, I think that's the that's the message I like to leave with kids when I teach. There's lots of reasons poems are great. But to me, uh, the reason, the absolute top reason that a poem is great, writing a poem is great, because because they're so short, mostly, um, a poet has to really choose her words or his words super carefully. Um, every single word that goes into your poem, especially if they rhyme, but especially, well, not necessarily. And every poem has to have powerful words. And I like to make the point that of all the words we use in our poems, and you heard a lot of great ones, uh, verbs, action words, are the most, like Etta had um, gliding and flicking, and, and Brooke in a Alaska poem had a rushing stream. You could even hear the water the way it sounded. So um, to me, it's a, it's a word choice issue. And, and, and once you write your first draft, that's fine. But then my favorite part of writing is the juggling that happens after your first draft when you go back and start and think every word, is that the best possible word to describe what I want to say? And um, to me, it makes you a better writer of everything, even letters to your mom. <laughs> Which you should all be writing. <laughs> That's right. Iris, I mentioned that you write with the Young Writers Project, which is a program here in Vermont. But I imagine a lot of other states also have programs for young people who are writers and want to get better and explore writing and poetry and other forms of writing. Can you describe what you do with the Young Writers Project? Uh, yes. So it's a really amazing community, really, where you can share your writing and get feedback on your writing and read other young teens' writing. And it's just really great to um, see that and get the support from everyone. And um, I started my podcast, Line Break, and I'm featuring teen writers from YWP. And it's so cool to hear writing from my peers and just talk about random things in our life. <laughs> We're going to put a link up to Line Break, Iris's podcast, on the But Why Kids page which you can find at butwhykids.org. So you can listen to the Iris and the other young poets from the Young Writers Project talk about poetry. Iris, thank you so much for being on the program today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> That's Iris Robert, a high school student in Vermont. We've got more poems and poetry here on the show in the last few minutes of the program. Uh, but first, let's go to Isley, who's calling from Downers Grove, Illinois. Hi, Isley. I understand you have a question for Ted. 
what what do we celebrate in Poetry Month? Oh, good question, Ted. What's all, what is Poetry Month all about? <laughs> well, Isley, every um, every month is Poetry Month for me, <laughs> but April is officially Poetry Month, and we celebrate uh, so much of what we've been hearing today. Uh, we we celebrate the spoken word, the written word, images that are painted with words. Um, so it's it's a celebration of poetry, and I highly recommend not just in April but all year long to find a favorite poet. Some learn, you know, read a lot of different poetry, find one. I have several that I just love and I read them over and over and the music of their words just um, inspires me to write my own poems. So um, that's a great question. And I think a National Poetry Month is, um, is just a celebration of, 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 the, of words, the sounds of words. You know, it's interesting, Ted, you say find a poet that you like and and then, you know, what I find is that you wind up coming back to that poet and those poems. I've been thinking a lot right now about the poetry of Elizabeth Bishop and my stepmother wrote a book about Elizabeth Bishop. So I've spent some time thinking about her, Elizabeth Bishop and her poetry. And she has a poem called One Art that's about losing and sort of coming to terms with losing things. And even though in the past I never would have thought about that poem in this way, right now, while we, we can't go out, out to see friends as much, we can't go to school, we can't do the things that we've always come accustomed to doing, I've been thinking about that poem and that new approach to thinking about losing things. So I find that you, you sort of see your favorite poems in a different way as you move through life. Yes. Every time I read a poem, I, I pick up something different, the sounds of the words, the images that are being painted. And I'm finding that I, I find myself in, inspired. There's several of my poems that I've written that were um, inspired by someone else's concept or someone else's basic um, premise of their poem. I wasn't copying. We should never do that. But um, um, it is it is pretty cool to, to see poems and read them again. It's like going back to see and visit an old friend. And that's not cheating to be inspired by someone else's poem? <laughs> I don't think so. No, you're, you're coming up with your own thoughts, your own images, your own ideas. And, and that's the important thing. But, uh, but it's fun to be inspired by someone else. Will you read us another of your poems? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Um, this is a little bit of a silly one. I have a silly voice sometimes, uh, but it also could be uh, a, a suggestion for how you might, how we might um, weather the storm of, of our, our um, quarantine right now. We're inside. And uh, so I wrote this a few years ago, but it, it works. And it's worked for me. I actually did this. It's, the poem is called, I Wrote Myself a Letter. I wrote myself a letter. It's true. I'm not pretending. It's filled with lots of juicy news that soon I will be sending. So when I get it in the mail, I'll know what I've been doing. The games I've played, the trades I've made, the food that I've been chewing. I told myself important stuff that I should know about me. I made it absolutely clear I couldn't live without me. I gave myself some good advice to keep myself on track. And maybe if I'm lucky, someday I'll write me back. So grab a piece of paper and an envelope, get a stamp from your parents and write yourself maybe a poem and put it in an envelope and send it off. And then when it comes in the mail, you can go, look, somebody really cool sent me a poem. (laughs) (laughs) Or or even keep it for when you're older. I've found some things from when I was younger, and it actually is kind of amazing to to realize and remember and and that flood of feelings that comes back to you when you read your own yes. poetry. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I, poems I wrote 20 years ago, I pick them up and I sometimes scratch my head and wonder where that idea came from. 
Um, but they're usually really fun to revisit. I totally, totally agree. Let's see if we can fit a few more poems in. We're getting close to the end of the show, so I don't think we're going to get to everybody, but we'll see if we can squeeze in at least a few more. Um, let's go to Cole, who's with us from Mattapoisett, Massachusetts. Hi, Cole. Hi. Um, this poem is an ode, and it's to our dog, Bella, that we're going to get. When I see Bella, I hear rough, rough. I daydream about the time we will be together and the love you wear on your sleeve for the world to see. At a water park is where I want to be splashing together with you, Bella. Oh, I love that, Cole, and congratulations. What a cool thing to be getting a new dog. I'm going to see if we can squeeze a few more in here so we won't pause on your poem, but it's really cool. Um, Adeline is calling in from Corinth, Vermont. Hi, Adeline. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, my poem is called Weeping Willow. Green, peaceful, sun-catching, climbed by children, fed on by two cats. My weeping willow tree, my favorite place to be. Oh, that's beautiful. And do do you have a weeping willow tree? Uh, yes. On our farm, we have a few that I like to climb. Oh, Adeline, thank you for sharing that poem. What a beautiful image. Lena is calling in from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Lena, go ahead. I wanted to see a unicorn, but rather I saw a big moose. (laughs) (laughs) Lena, what I love about that is that it's beautifully put, but also right to the point. You could put a period on it. Just, Ted, that was what you're talking about. You sort of focus your thoughts when you write a poem in some ways. Exactly, like a laser beam on the two horns instead of one. (laughs) (laughs) Willem is calling in from Orford, New Hampshire. Hi, Willem. Hi. You have a poem for us? Yes. Go right ahead. My sister. My sister sits on the couch and reads an audiobook, motionless and unblinking, with her head resting on a pillow. Her toes wiggle with every word. Willem, wow. that's so great. Have you read that for your sister? Yes. What did she say? Um... Well, she was kind of surprised that I had been doing it because I I snuck in the room and I and she did it. But Willem, that's very cool. I really appreciate that you wrote a poem about your sister, and I bet you know if you give that to her, she's going to appreciate that for the rest of her life. Thank you. Ted, we don't have much time left, but I I wanted to see if you had any ideas for us for what we call writing prompts or something that we could use as an idea to get us started with writing, especially if just the idea of writing a poem feels daunting or feels like, I don't even know how to get started. Do you have any ideas for us? Yeah, here's an idea. Um, All you need is your imagination, which I know you all have, and a mirror. Don't go off and find one now, but wait a second. And a pencil (laughs) and paper. And uh, I love to do this for myself and with kids. Um, Go to the mirror tonight, maybe with a bright light and look at your amazing face and look with a poet's eye. Look at what your eyes look like. What do they remind you of? Maybe they're puddles of maple syrup if you live in Vermont, surrounded by by, uh, vanilla ice cream or uh, like mine, slices of kiwi doing the backstroke in milk. (laughs) And uh, eyebrows could be furry caterpillars and your nose could be a mountain and your skin could be peach ice cream or fudge ice cream. So, um, Think about it and then just make a little list poem. My eyes are like um, puddles of maple syrup swimming in ice cream, you know, and make maybe five or six different face parts that you pick and just describe them using the most beautiful words you can. And 
make sure you give a verb. Don't just say um, your eyebrows are like furry caterpillars, but maybe they're doing the cha-cha across your forehead or something <laughs> like that. So give them something to do. That makes your um, image come even come alive. So just make a little uh, poem about your face, your awesome, amazing face, just using similes, those things when we say something is like something else. So I think it'll make a pretty fantastic poem. Or you could write about your sister and talk about her wiggling toes. <laughs> yeah, like that was Willem pretty did. cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ted, this has been such a pleasure talking and thinking about poetry. And, you know, I wish that we were all in our classrooms and in our school groups still doing our poetry workshops. But what a treat to be able to have you with us today. Well, Jane, it's been a huge pleasure. A treat for me. I, I'm a big fan of your, your show. And when I look at a Google a search, uh, but why comes up? as the top one in the whole country, which is pretty cool. So this is a great honor. So thanks for including me. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you. And thanks to all of our budding poets for sharing your poems with us today. What a treat to be able to hear you read your poems. And again, thanks to Ted Shy, the author of six poetry collections. He's also a poetry educator. You can find him doing poetry workshops in schools around the country and also at poetryguy.com. That's all the time we have for today. Next week, you're going to want to join us here because we are going to be talking about space and space exploration with the chief scientist at NASA, Jim Green. So send your space questions to questions at butwhykids.org and listen live next Friday at 1 p.m. We also have great other shows coming up for you, including a kid press conference with the Vermont governor and a show all about music. Thanks to James Stewart, Melody Baudet, our producer, Lydia Brown, and our theme music here that you're hearing now is by Luke Reynolds. I'm Jane Lindholm. We'll be back next Friday. Until then, stay curious.